0: Hi everyone, welcome back to That's the Spirit, the podcast where the SOAS Spirit editorial team sits down and discusses our favourite articles with you from our most recent issue. My name is Malisha Shoaib and I'm this year's Managing Editor and today I am joined by my two co-editors-in-chief, Louisa
1: Johnson and Abdul Bassid.
0: And in this episode, we're going to be running through our latest issue, issue 15 which definitely feels significant, doesn't it? This issue was released on the 8th of February. We're going to be joined today by Fakria, who's our national news editor, and Ella, who is our features editor. So this issue, we have a couple new team members, which is exciting. We have two new social media coordinators, Denise and Lara. We also have a new culture editor, Lizzie. So that's really exciting. What are you guys being interested in this issue?
1: Yes, most certainly, the addition to personnel is very exciting. Every time new people join our team, You know, it's a whole new process. Entirely new mind and perspectives coming into the team.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's nice to have a kind of change in energy when you have new people come aboard. And yeah, some new exciting ideas, I think, coming this way. And I'm quite excited to read your article, Maliha, your interview with Professor Habib.
0: Yeah, this is a big deal actually. So this issue I interviewed SOAS's new director. He's been director since I think the fourth of January. So just over a month by the time you're hearing this. We talked at length, we think we talked for about an hour. Uh and we ran Oh through... my gosh, your pals? Yeah, I know. Now. <laughs> I know, best there buddy. <laughs> <trying>. <laughs> yeah, so I actually met Professor Habib at the SOAS Festival of Ideas and we discussed the decolonization. Aspect I went into the media industry and how we can decolonize that, and he spoke more broadly about academia. So we're kind of familiar with each other, which was nice going into that interview because I was a bit nervous. But um, oh. yeah, <laughs> I know, poor me. But, me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so in this interview, we discussed at great length the controversy surrounding the fees must fall issue. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, Professor Habib was the Vice Chancellor of the University of Witwatersrand. And in 2016, I believe, or 2015, there was a controversy surrounding students wanting free education, or I think it was a decrease in fees for university education. And there were a number of protests which got out of hand. And I think the management at Wits called the police. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled. And there was a whole lot of both rioting and sort of brutality on both sides So, yeah, we discussed the controversy surrounding that, along with the much-awaited question of SOAS's financial crisis. So Professor Hubie, the the sort of sense I got from him was that he's really invested in the ways that the institution can survive financially, and he seems to be quite pragmatic about it all and about redefining what SOAS means and who we are. So we went into that, and I really enjoyed the conversation. So you can read that as our front cover story.
1: This is especially exciting because obviously we aren't on campus and this is like a little trailer, I suppose, for when we do come back on campus and have real interactions with our director. What do you think, Louisa?
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I was about to say with the pandemic and everything is in a financial crisis, I feel like that's even heightened. Like SOAS was already sort of facing this kind of financial struggles for years now. So it's heightened with COVID and the recession. So I'm very interested to hear his ideas about how he's going to keep SOAS afloat without sort of compromising perhaps key values of SOAS, like navigating that because it is quite difficult. We're, we're a passionate bunch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of the issue of like, how do you balance out the social responsibility of an institution in terms of our learning experience? versus the financial responsibility of any business and being in a country where education is not free university is a business so we kind of discussed that as well
1: it is a tricky balance to strike of course and it's really interesting to it will be very interesting to hear how he plans on um, tackling that
2: yeah I mean I know that like there have been a lot of cuts made before and people at SOS weren't happy it's yeah it's definitely a hard balance to get right so he's got he's got a tough job ahead of him
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've even seen in the spirit ourselves, our team has just been forced to become so much more organized and efficient in the way that we work. So I'm hoping that the pandemic has kind of been a catalyst to make us really sit down and think about how we're going to solve this crisis, because obviously, it's a huge issue that people have been concerned with for quite a while now. Definitely. So we'll move on to our national news section. Today, we're joined actually by the national news editor, Fakria. and she's going to run through a quick overview of the section and what can we expect?
3: Uh, Yeah, so this issue, naturally, we have unfortunately the story about the very, very, very grim milestone that we've uh, passed here in the UK. According to the Office for National Statistics, it's been revealed that COVID-19 related deaths have now surpassed the 100,000 mile Mark, in a press statement, the PM had stated that, you know, he's very regretful and sorry about this milestone. Um, so next next story, this, this issue would be the death of Mahmoud Hassan. This is the story of a 24-year-old black male in Wales who, following his night, spent in police custody. Um, unfortunately, the very next day that he was released, he was found dead in his home. Um, this sparked protests both in Wales and even in England as well. The family are still demanding answers in regards to his death. Much of the issues surrounding his death are actually still very sketchy. Next story was actually written by our very own Annika, discussing children and online learning during the time of COVID and the inequalities that we've seen during lockdown. She discusses laptop poverty as well as food insecurity um, that Britain's children are facing and the way COVID-19 has amplified inequality amongst Britain's children. And we also have a story about, I called it the skirt length scandal. This is about a 12-year-old schoolgirl, uh, Silham Hamoud, whose family is now facing legal action by a secondary school and at the center of this potential litigation is her skirt her skirt according to her school is against their uniform policy and because of that she was sent home virtually every day in the month of december and racked up a month's worth of unauthorized absences which the school is now threatening to take her family to court over and we also have another story by charlotte paul who i'll call her the brexit queen she has been writing brexit stories in my section since uh <laughs> Uh, since the last issue that we published. She titled it The New Rules of the EU-UK Relationship. Next, we have a story by our very own Pickle discussing the Assange extradition or lack thereof. It was decided by a British judge that on the grounds of Assange's mental welfare, that he will not be, for now anyhow, he won't be extradited to the US. This is a decision actually that the US is going to be fighting. And lastly, to round it all off, we have a story by Ruth Sellin uh, discussing the links of British academia to the pseudoscience of eugenics. In her article, she undercovers how University College London, following an independent inquiry led by Professor Solanke, found out that the school was very much vested in the study. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see still yet how the school will deal with this matter in, you know, in the years to come. How would they rectify the stain on its image, should I say? And that's it for national news.
0: <laughs> that sounds great. You've really packed this um, section, this issue, with some really, really interesting topics. So honestly, hats off to you. So Fakir, do you want to tell me which article you're most excited about in this section for this issue?
3: Uh, great question. Um, quite a few of the national news stories this issue are quite gloom and doom. But I think the story of uh, Mohammed Hassan um, is a very important story. I was able to speak to a member of the Somali diaspora. And he mentioned that, in a sense, foul treatment of Britain's Somali community at the hands of our of our police isn't something new. He told me the story of a Mr. M- uh, Mahmoud Matan, who was unlawfully put to death. This was in the 1950s. And I remember also seeing a, I believe this chap is a lawyer or an ex-lawyer stated that this is a very unfortunate, poignant story. But again, this isn't something new. Why is it the case that ethnic minorities of of the UK are more likely to be subject to maltreatment at the hands of our police force? Um, Also, this is a story that has lost a lot of traction, uh, a lot of buzz, should I say, unfortunately, within mainstream news. So I think it is important to get this story out there. Even though it is a very, 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 very poignant story, it's still a very important one, and you know our condolences to to the family who's having to deal deal with this ordeal.
1: Yes, of course, Fakria. This story is not only tragic but also outrageous And its its just the violence of it, and that along racial lines and ethnic ethnic lines. Unfortunately, like you said, it does it does seem quite familiar not only in the broader British press but also here at The Spirit because we have time and again covered the tragic side of uh, the ethnic and racial uh, lines in this country. I remember we covered the BLM protests a few issues ago and we have consistently covered this topic throughout our issues in this publication and I'm quite proud of that.
0: And what about you Bassett, do you have a favourite article this issue?
1: Yes, I was particularly taken by, um, if not invested, at least in some degree, in the skirt length article that we did. It just goes to show, even in this exclusive and sort of post-colonial environment that Britain does, especially its education industry finds itself in, there are still cracks in the system and real people and their lives, especially children, can fall through it. And we just have to be so vigilant and prolific in how we defend uh, the
3: these rights of minorities. <laughs>
0: Now we're going to go ahead and look at the articles we have for the opinion section this issue. So we've got a lot of hot takes in issue 15. Louisa, do you want to give a brief overview of what we can expect in this section?
2: So we actually have quite a few opinion articles this issue and they're all very juicy so definitely have a read. So we have first of all a article about the Belarus protests. And that's quite interesting, because it's basically looking at the sort of responsibility that other countries in Europe might have towards Belarus, or if Belarus activists are truly on their own with this. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. Then we have an article which is arguing that mental health is a social justice issue, it tends to get overlooked, or people just sort of share one thing about it on social media, and then never talk about it again. So it's basically saying how we need to put it at the forefront of our activism and really push our national governments towards making it a priority. Um, Then we have an article about how the media is portraying the issue of foreign aid, which is also really interesting. So definitely check that out. And then we have an article about the vaccine rollout in Israel and how it's being discriminatory against Palestinians. So yeah, that has all the details there. Then we have a reflection on Arab Spring 10 years on, like what things have improved, what things haven't changed, how it inspired other movements, etc. And finally, we have an article by Bassett himself um, about the farmers protest in India and it's giving more of an economic perspective and really explaining thought process behind the farmer reforms.
1: So what do you guys think? Sounds like quite a read um, especially the article um, the reflection on the Arab Spring 10 years down the road I was just thinking. I thought you were going to say
2: your article for a second there especially (laughs) Uh, my
1: article. I'm not going to promote myself (laughs) but um just the 10-year reflection on the Arab Spring. And I remember when it was happening, of course, I think most of us were still in some sort of school year. And whilst the protests were happening in Egypt, and people were coining the term Arab Arab Spring, there were a lot of aspirations. And um, somebody, I I was in the region at the time, actually, and it just purred one's imagination of what could be. And of course, 10 years down the line, it's just new perspective that We look at things now in the past, and of course, most of those revolutions um, failed to achieve all of their goals or some of their goals. I'm sure it'll be a really interesting and slightly nostalgic
2: read. It was really interesting reading about like all the little ripple effects it had um, throughout. So yeah, it was definitely interesting for me to read. Very informative.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think one article that I really enjoyed reading was Maxine's take on the aid industry. She was kind of going into how the government has cut a lot of the aid industry's funding as a sort of fiscal strategy and talking about the varying media reactions from the right and the left and how The media coverage of this topic can often be very misleading and how it kind of misses a lot of the context and lacks analysis surrounding the industry and ultimately she kind of comes to the conclusion that it's less about how much money the industry is given and more so about impact which I thought was just such a valuable takeaway and I really agree in the sense that I think I've always associated parts of the aid industry with a sort of white savior complex or the ways that you know foreign interference kind of lend to neo-colonial elements and end up doing more harm than good. So I think Maxine's argument about impact over finances was really valuable in the sense that it recognizes how humanitarian work can be necessary where other interventions could be harmful and really reconsidering the intentions and implications of the industry at large.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with your opinion about how it can sort of be neo colonialist. I think that's even captured in like the headlines that she chose to talk about, where it almost becomes like a an issue of like national pride, how much we're investing in other countries development. And I think that really misses the point. So um yeah, I think her article is spot on in that regard.
1: Yes. I mean she makes a lot of good points, but I would just um, whilst you we were talking I thought it was such a topical um, article I mean it's because it, it is it has become a contentious issue aid in these past few years and especially because of this pandemic and the vaccine rollouts and the aid that is required by developing countries to procure those vaccines the question must be asked if the aid that developed countries are giving or will give in the future is it is it empathy or is it more like um, a human right uh that is almost expected of them. This is a very interesting read, promises to be a very interesting read. Definitely.
0: And next, we'll move on to the features section. And we're actually joined today by our wonderful features editor, Ella. So, Ella, do you want to give us a quick breakdown of each article in your section?
4: Yeah. So, first of all, we had an interview with a member of the South Economics Department, Kostas Lapovitsas, who's a pro leave leftist politician. He's a member of a political party in Greece. And it was a really interesting interview. We got to read about things that don't get talked about a lot in the leftist media. We also had some anonymous submissions about dating during the COVID pandemic. We had some amazing photojournalism from a student who I think has just joined us actually, in The Sower Spirit, which is cool, about her aunt and her life and her experiences with divorce. And we had a poem about colonialism and the colonialism of knowledge. So yeah, it's been a really interesting and varied issue this, in this section.
0: Yeah, we've got a really great mix. That's one thing that I always love to see in the features section is just such a broad spectrum of what's being covered.
1: That's so true. Um, just to switch sides a little bit, um, I was just going through the interview with Costas, and without giving too much of it away, just a little worrying about his his opinion on the Labour Party, despite of the new—I mean, not the new, but somewhat new leadership change—and he says that you know this this leadership is still inept at doing anything at all about this country's woes. Um, so that's a little worrying.
2: Yeah, I think Labour at the minute is facing quite a big divide. I think it doesn't really have a strong voice, I'm sensing. And I think that Stammer has, is going to have trouble uniting it in the future. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at here as well. But it was very interesting to hear this perspective. As in most of the time I hear about Brexit, it's from people who are like hard right wing. So I think it was really nice to read it from a left wing point of view.
0: Definitely. It adds a lot of nuance to the conversation.
2: Yeah. I agree. I think I was quite excited by the more creative pieces we had submitted in. I was really interested in the, the photo essay we had. That was really nice to see. I think we love features and features is such an important section right now, I think. Dare I say one of the most important, but perhaps I'm biased because I, I oversee this section. Injecting. Objection. <laughs> but I was just my reasoning for it is in a time with like such terrible news in every other section. I think sometimes it's nice to read more light-hearted submissions or something a bit different. You know, it really breaks up the paper. So I have been really enjoying features throughout this whole this whole process, but also especially in this issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was also gonna say that I really enjoyed the um the photo essay, the story of Hajar. It was really nice to have this story accompanied by the photos and it looks great in layout for anyone who hasn't already seen the the pdf copy of the spirit it was nice being able to sort of track the story visually and yes you're right ella the writer of this piece denise has
2: just joined us as a social media coordinator ella what's um your favorite of the of the section this issue
4: i think i'd have to agree with you guys and say the photojournalism because it was just so nice to look at, sort of just like going through someone's old memories. It's just, it's not something you usually see in a newspaper. You get the sense of being in the past, and it's just one person's life, but it's just as interesting as the news stories or anything else that's been published recently.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think I agree. I do like the human focus to, to features.
0: Yeah, I think these human interest stories are so important, like you said, Louisa, at a time when it's really important that people are able to get their stories out there. So I've really enjoyed this section, this issue.
2: And like when we have such a bombarding of statistics all the time, it's so nice to be able to go behind the headline and get a sort of zoomed in perspective on just one person and really get some personality into the news.
0: And then next, we're going to go on to discussing our culture section. So Like I mentioned earlier, this issue, we have a new culture editor. So we have some really exciting pieces coming up in this section. Uh, Bassett, do you want to give us an overview?
1: It will be my pleasure. This is a very sort of enticing section this time because it deals with a lot of not only cultural issues, but of course where that ties in into our daily lives and our perception of things. So first up, we have an article about when the film industry will go back to normal and just how this entire industry has dealt with this pandemic. The uh, proliferation of drive-in cinemas and in some countries, socially distanced theatres and just not only the financial impact, but also how the pandemic has impacted the ability of filmmakers to tell the human story, especially now when so many stories need to be told. Really nice article, thought provoking we then have an article on the fashion week and again obviously like everything else this uh, the fashion industry has been impacted in some good ways and other bad ways by this pandemic and so as the spring edition the spring collection uh, is released by a lot of labels the catwalks have been substituted with sort of a video friendly or a tv friendly format and we see a lot of new designs and not just the designs but also how all of the work that has gone into putting the collection together and the release itself how all of that has changed because of the pandemic and of course this is again an evolving story just really a hopeful article about how even in the most dire of circumstances our imaginations were not killed off, as has been displayed by the perseverance of the fashion industry. We then have a piece on LGBT cinema and how style in those movies, you know, which do portray a certain sexuality, impacts the plot and just a very interesting read, which I'd really like all of you to read. And finally, we have a review, but not a typical review of Bridgerton, obviously the very famous and popular Netflix series that's just come out. It is not a review in the sense that it reviews the entire series, but a particular aspect of the plot, of the narrative. And that is its take on race, which can be quite confusing for viewers. And it just dives into what what the directors were trying to do and how they've failed rather miserably at it. So yes, please do read that as well, if you have watched, and even if you haven't watched it.
0: When I was reading up about the series before it was released, I remember thinking, oh my God, that's amazing. They have colorblind casting. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to see someone like myself in one of these bigger positions. And all the way through the series, you know, everything's all fine. There, you know, there are people of color in these aristocratic roles. And it's very interesting to see that. And then just randomly halfway through the series, they have this one black character say that essentially, the world was divided racially before the Queen, who is Black, married the White King, and how love sort of conquered all. And I think this is such a dangerous narrative to be telling about race. And while I know that race is something that a lot of people are wanting to be tackled in film and across sort of all cultural forms, given the whole summer of Black Lives Matter protests and how a lot of people are more engaged with this topic, it was an interesting, but ultimately, I think, a bit of a failed attempt to address race you know either these characters understand that there is race there is racism and they respond accordingly or we do a colorblind casting but I think this kind of confusion and labeling of like yep we've tackled race now tick the box off excellent we've done a good job at a socially just portrayal of race I think that's really dangerous because it creates this false narrative of a post-racial society in Britain which I'm sure we all know is just a bit of a fallacy to be honest
2: it's very difficult to do colorblind casting for a period drama because like you said like they're it just they just end up sort of like racially like unconscious in a strange way or just problematic and i think that line from the character that you referenced i think that's really dangerous and definitely feeds into some sort of fetishizing narratives that are still happening there so Yeah, a little bit disappointing. I mean, I think when we think about representation, which kind of links into the LGBT plus article too about queer cinema. Like when we think about representation, it can't just be okay, like there's a diverse group and that means the work is done. I think more thought needs to be put into how we're portraying these either queer characters and or people of colour in films. I think sometimes people just use representation as the end game, and they don't really think beyond that. But really, it needs to be more of a careful and considered conversation.
0: I recently read an article that was talking about colour blind casting versus colour conscious casting. So I think that's kind of something that we can do moving forward to draw draw a line between tokenism versus representation you know and last but not least we'll go into sports and societies this issue has actually seen quite a few articles for this section which is great to see given our editor Artemis's excellent take on this issue so Basit do you want to give us a quick overview of what we can
2: expect
1: Yes, indeed, we do have a very sporty uh, sports and society uh, section in this issue. We open with this huge story about Messi, of course, one of the most important football players in the world. And there have been talks of uh, getting him to play in the United States in their domestic football league. So that is a very interesting story and, of course, something that all of us football lovers should keep an eye out for. We then have a very inspiring and really sort of niche story about female surfing and how it's getting more popular. We also have a, an article on Rashford and his ongoing efforts for free school meals. And he does it so brilliantly, which this article encapsulates, in that he he combines his influence that he derives from his football career and then uses it to uplift so many children's lives across the UK. It's really inspiring and a, a very, a very a readable article. Finally, we also have a few society shout outs like we do in every issue. This time there is the paintings and film societies. We have the law society, the Bangla society and the German Kashmir society, at us, which we do feature in this section, uh, in this issue.
0: Yeah, I think it's really great to see that we're covering this free school meals issue, both across sports and societies and also in national news, like we mentioned earlier. It's just really interesting to have that broader perspective.
1: And And that is the nature of this issue, isn't it? It is at its heart a political and policy issue, but it's just very heartwarming to see how sports can have a positive impact for so many people around the UK, especially children. Uh, We also have this really nice article about surfing and how, well, like uh, like the title says, a new wave that is breaking in female surfing. It's just so interesting. What do you think, Louisa?
2: I don't, that's something I really don't know a lot about. So it was really interesting to read this article. And then I was also interested to discover the sort of discrimination within the surfing competitions. Like, I think it's outrageous that men have several qualifying rounds in, I think it was Hawaii, uh, compared to women who have to travel internationally to sort of enter into these conversations. So that's very fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I guess it's really valuable that pickle has been able to highlight someone who can represent these marginalized communities i think the article mentioned that this surfer was also a member of the lgbtq plus community which is great just to highlight someone who our readers might not be aware of and that's a wrap on our discussion around issue 15 Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. If you would like to read issue 15, you can head to our website, www.soaspirit.co.uk and be sure to follow us on all our social media pages. We are at SoAs Spirit on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you'd like to get in contact with our next, our final issue, actually, of this academic year, have a look out after reading week for our brainstorm meeting and yeah you can follow along with our socials and head over to our mailing list which you can access via our website to be notified my name is maliha and this has been that's the spirit see you next time